0: Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grambacher and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, the strong and powerful Elise Glink. Elise, are you ready to do this? Absolutely. Excellent. Let's do this. Elise is a speaker, author, financial wellness advocate, and the founder of Best Money Moves, an organization focused on solving the problem of financial stress in the workplace. I'm excited to have you on. Elise, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why it is you do what you do.
1: Well, a little bit about my personal life. I have been married to the amazing Sam for uh, several decades. We'll leave it at that. I've got... (laughs) I've got two boys who are both, uh, one just graduating college in a couple of weeks, and one who's a sophomore, both of whom are in computer science. So what I joke is that I started Best Money Moves, which is a SaaS software business, to stay relevant to my children. That's
0: (laughs) It all Uh, makes sense.
1: Yeah, I'm a Midwest girl. I like to... Drink a lot of coffee. Um, I, I I travel a lot. I love to travel abroad, especially in Latin America, and I sort of speak Spanish. Nice. That's the
0: you think that there's a correlation between being from the Midwest and coffee? No, okay. you. <laughs> No, no. I, I was just curious because I'm I'm from the Midwest, and I I've never met a cup of coffee that that I'm not interested in. So. So anyway, so Elise, you. Um, Best money moves is how old now?
1: So we're in our the middle of our third year. Okay. Uh, we I started this. I started thinking about this company uh, back in 2015, thinking of it as a real company. But my journey of how I got here is sort of a an interesting story. And I, I always start out by saying I'm really the very last person anybody would expect to go into employee benefits because my whole career has been spent in financial journalism or in what's called today, content, but um, an offshoot of personal finance journalism. I started out as a freelance writer. That would be hardly the choice you would wanna make or your parents would want you to make for a solid and satisfying income for life. Um, But it worked really well for me and I became uh, started running a pretty successful freelance business and this is really a long, very long time ago, back in the early 90s. And then from there, I started getting, um, I started writing books. My first uh, book came out in twenty, uh, sorry, 1994, and I just published the fourth edition of that book. We have almost um, 350 or 370 thousand copies in print of that, and I have almost a million copies in print of all of my books. Oh, that's awesome. So I did um, book writing and I did speech giving and I started working in radio and started writing a syndicated column. And so all of that happened around this idea that uh, you are the smartest person in your universe to make basically like 95 percent of the decisions you need to make about your money. And I was intent on proving to people that you didn't have to be a brain surgeon in order to manage your money effectively. And, and that was um, a pretty interesting thing to do. And I started getting hired to give speeches all over the country. And at one of those, which was in Arizona for a huge mortgage conglomerate, I was sitting with the CMO and he and his, his group were sitting around trying to solve a really pressing issue. And he asked me to weigh in on it. And this is what he said. He said, Elise, I have 6 million customers, but when they go to refinance, they never think about us. Do you know why? And this answer popped in my head that has basically changed the course of my career. It's, I just said to him, well, you're clearly not there with the information they need when they need it, so you're missing them at a crucial point. He said, well, how would we figure that out? And then they hired me to design, to reverse engineer the process, which I'd already just done with my book, of how people think when they're going to get a mortgage. And so I ended up ge- creating a huge lead generation project all around educational content. And they just put a little thing on their website um, back whenever it was, uh, I think it was like 98-ish, 99, that let people self-select into whether they were first-time homebuyers or trade-up homebuyers or they were just refinancing. And I created this incredible stream of information and that became wildly successful for them. And they continued to hire me to do other kinds of educational content, and that led to opportunities with Quill, which is a unit of Staples, um, Discover Card, where I did a huge enterprise level platform for them all around education, uh, and then Equifax, where I started and created the Equifax Finance blog, and we grew that into from nothing to over to about two hundred thousand unique monthly visitors. Um, and some other really high-profile projects like for Humana, where we did something around Medicare and Medicare Advantage. All of this idea that that if you use information to help people see what is really in their own very best interest, they'll make the right choice for themselves and ultimately for the company. And so that's um, the backwards way of how I then got to a place where companies started hiring me to create financial wellness programs. But the problem was, and this is probably – Two or three years after the recession officially ended, so 2012, 13, 14, when people were still really broke and feeling really stressed, and all these other companies wanted to do was sell things to people that they couldn't afford, and I I would say to them, you know, guys, this is never going to work, <laughs> and they'd say, yeah, cash your check, thank you very much for your honesty, and just do what we tell you to do. <laughs> so there I was in 2015, after I'd done the third of these projects, and I turned to Angus Carroll, who's the president of Best Money Moves, he was then my COO, and I said, you know, Angus, there's an opportunity here. We should do this the right way. And he said, oh, yeah? What does that look like to you? You know? And right. Angus said every job at a company that you can have. He's worked for Fortune 100s. Running big divisions, executive level stuff. He's been president of a fifty million dollars software company. He's run EAPs. He's run six hundred million dollars content divisions. Like he's had just this incredible executive experience. And so I, ca- I laid it out for him, and he said, "You know, that sounds like an op- an interesting opportunity. Let's go do it." And that's how Best Money Moves was born.
0: Nice. So necessity once again breeds innovation and uh, and 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 here we are so it was after the recession that companies were just trying to sell people things and then label that as an employee benefit or financial wellness and unfortunately now it's it's even you know years later and we're still in a point where we're not really doing that well with money and it's still stressing us out so from your perspective why is that why after so long are are we still not doing great
1: so some of us are doing really great uh, and that's good and that's and i appreciate that and i'm glad that there are people who are doing great the bottom half of the country is not doing so great and i think economists in general and i wouldn't put myself into the level of a phd economist but i i'm certainly an armchair one and i've been watching this for a long time as a financial journalist and i would say that you know, we had a really severe shock to the system. And when, you know, people say, you know, they call it the Great Recession, as I do, really echoing the Great Depression. It was really the worst financial crisis we'd had in 80 years. 80 years is a long time. There were a lot of other severe recessions in that that didn't qualify as a Great Recession. So what did that look like and why hasn't haven't we recovered from it? And I think you, you can look to my hometown of Chicago, where you still have a a huge number of homes selling for less than they were before the recession. So we hear about the housing, how great housing is everywhere, but it's not everywhere. And so in places like Chicago, where homes are still like around 16% below where they were in say 2007, that also is combined with people who have not had the kind of raises that you would like to see, combined with people who liquidated their 401ks just to stay afloat, and not go into foreclosure, with the tens of millions of people who did and are now renting and trying to recover. And so I think when you've had a severe shock like that, and we saw large metropolitan areas basically buckle under the weight of that, the fact that everybody who, has a, who wants a job today has one doesn't begin to make us psychologically feel better. And so I think it's gonna take a lot longer for, the, for us to recover, and frankly, we're probably gonna have another recession before everybody's feeling pretty good.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's certainly probably true. Um, I love the idea of what you were talking about earlier about the mortgage company folks saying, Hey, we've got 6 million customers, but they always forget about us. And it's just because they weren't in the right spot at the right time. I like the idea of, of wellness being offered financial wellness being offered in the workplace because you do need to hopefully do your best to meet people where they are. And it seems like a lot of the benefits that we have, we have through our employer. So do you think that messaging in the workplace is going to help to change behaviors? I guess that's sort of a rhetorical question. Otherwise you wouldn't start at the business, but why do you suppose that is?
1: I think it is true, actually, and I'm seeing it in I'm seeing it right now play out in real time. So, we have enough companies invest money moves that we're starting to some see some, you know, what Angus called completely non scientific results. But huh. when I when I look out at how different companies treat the issue of financial wellness, right? We have um, one of our our customers is Delta Dental of Colorado, and uh, the CEO there is a huge proponent of financial wellness. I met her when she was at Anthem, running basically a quadrant of the the sales team for that whole enterprise, and she's now the CEO of Delta Dental. And you know, we we bonded over this idea that people don't always make smart choices for themselves, and some of the reason for that is they just don't have um, the right information. And so she, from the top down, you know, the CEO has stood up and said, "Hey." This is a really cool tool. We want you to use it. We know everybody's stressed about different things in their life, and this isn't just about student loans, and it isn't just about credit card debt. It's about the financial realities that pile on top of you as you age, whether it's, you know, you're in your 40s and dealing with aging parents on top of your kids starting to get ready to go to college, and how you're going to, you know, put all that together. This is really a tool that can help you. It can teach you, you can learn, you can engage, but you have to use it, so log in. And what they've done is they've run custom contests because our platform allows companies to do a huge amount of customization around the content that's presented, and contests that they can run, and phone numbers that they can add. And so they've been running custom contests and they're seeing engagement levels of 50 plus percent, which is unheard of for financial wellness programs. So we do see that it matters when the top down, you get that messaging um regularly
0: i think that that is certainly it that certainly makes sense to me and i'm really glad to hear that that's what what the experience has been thus far you know any kind of organization it usually does stop start from the top down if you have leaders that are engaged and championing championing that's a hard word to say, championing the, uh, the initiative, then, then it's probably going to work. That was one other thing that, that I really wanted to talk to you about was how do you really start to change behaviors? And it sounds like maybe a contest has, has also
1: helped. Well, we, we definitely decided gamification had to be a piece of this. Millennials wanted it to be, um, mobile first, which it is, they want it to be engaging and easy to use and intuitive. Uh, they don't want a whole lot of instruction, they want video, you know, all the things that we wanted to do to attract the population of the under 40 somethings. But at the same time, we knew we had older employees who have, um, in some cases, even more financial strikes, are in more financial strikes. And so this idea that, Um, gamification would work on a variety of levels was one really important thing that we put in. We also gave employers some tools to communicate directly with their populations. So a one-way communication portal where they can let people know about upcoming lunch and learns, for example, or they can just have one more place that people can go and talk to their employees. The, The last piece, I think, you know, regarding communication is it has to be what I'll call a group effort. So you need definitely the CEO top-down, you need the CHRO, you need the people who run benefits for, for an organization, you need them to be engaged and to remind people that it's out there, because there's a lot going on in our workplaces these days. But you also need people to be able to talk to themselves and work with their spouses, and so what we decided to do with this product is to open it up, and so companies can upgrade and give credit scores to everybody we decided to um, upgrade and you know allow pe- companies to um, let employees download their personal information not not that we keep PII on this system we don't but if they wanted to connect to bank accounts and you know credit card accounts and 401k accounts they'll be able to and if they wanted to add three other people presumably some sort of spouse or partner and maybe two kids and let them also, have access to the system so that they could use it and they could start to figure out their own financial lives. That would make all the sense in the world as well. And so what we've tried to do is think about this in a way that makes it very open and very inclusive and very friendly to people who may not be as sure about their money or how to run it as you or I.
0: I think that that's great. And I also, I wanted to to sort of take that one step further and find out, I guess to a degree, it is really involving community in working to change habits. And I imagine that that was very intentional in how you built the system. But was that, in fact, an an important component?
1: Yeah, community is really important. In fact, one of the things that we have on our dev list that we'll get to, I hope, before the end of the year is to actually build a live, community engagement platform inside Best Money Moves. The very first thing people asked us is, "Can I talk to other people in the system about how they're doing things?" Mm, nice. They want a safe space, not just the internet in general. I mean, Reddit's awesome, but <laughs> you know, Quora's great, I'm just not sure that that's exactly where I want to go to, you know, let my financial hair light hang out. And so We have um, the intention of building a moderated forum where just people who are in this system whose employers care enough about them will be able to talk to each other and talk to me and my team directly as well to get assistance um, and find insights and learn the best ways and the secret tips and all that kind of stuff to do it. And I want to just point out that trust is a really big part of this community. We don't sell anything to employees, we don't. There's no mechanism to do it. So we don't push credit card offers. We don't do lead gen. We aren't showing ads for things, right? We're not even selling coffee. <laughs> I would love. <laughs>
0: it.
1: No, we're not even selling that. <laughs> Our point of sale, as we say, is just to the employer. You know, we think that the companies should provide this because the ROI to a company is massive. And let me just take a moment and explain that, right? Why is it so important to a company? to have employees who are not distracted by their own financial stress. And the answer is, most companies don't realize, thanks to Mercer, we now do, that That em- typical employees are spending three hours a week, 12 hours a month. That's work hours, thinking about their money and not about the job you're paying them to do. So if you just get them to refocus a few hours a week, that ROI is huge. But the—but wait, there's more, and I don't have any Ginzu knives for you. <laughs> the The amazing thing about relieving financial stress is all the other ROI that comes along with it. Like, you get better health outcomes, right? People who are stressed about their money are much more likely to be drug addicts, to drink too much, to um, not eat and pay attention and take their medications. They're much more likely to have heart attacks. So from a healthcare cost perspective, if you're a big company or a medium-sized company, you know you're looking at every single place you can. Maybe small companies the most of all, in order to hold the line on those expenses. This is one direct way to do it, and and the research is now pointing to that. You know, incredibly, but you also have um, a lower incidence of workplace accidents. Unexplained absences are a big thing. Productivity, presenteeism, presenteeism. So these are all pieces, components of the 250 billion dollars that's lost from financial stress to to american business every single year and it is incumbent on i think upon companies to find a way to focus on financial stress and we've seen a lot of effort in focusing on financial well-being but i think that and i'm sorry to say this to my competitors they're missing the boat here they want you to go through a course that's going to teach you about money. Well, that's just great. I just want to solve your hottest problem first. (laughs) That's it. I want to dial down financial stress and let you get back to your life. And and that's a little about how I think about this.
0: Well, I think that everything that you've described uh, to us today makes a lot of sense. And certainly anything that can help alleviate um, the problems that so many of us for that's, that's the best way to, to describe it. So many Americans are facing, I think, I think really the better. So I think it's great. So Elise, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? <laughs>
1: um, well, I think when it comes to your to, – do you want it for a business, like is things I've learned for my business, or do you want it for things I've learned in my
0: life? Well, let's do one of each.
1: Um, from a business point of view, and maybe this is good for life too – I expect the unexpected, so this is my fourth company, but it's the first one I've started as a SaaS software business. The other ones were either content businesses or consulting businesses or my freelance writing business. And while there were unexpected challenges and people were a little crazy sometimes, um, nothing was like starting this kind of a business and uh, everything you've ever heard about startups is true. And even when you've had experience running and starting four other, three other businesses, it's, it's different. So expect the unexpected. Um, and this one you'll like for from the personal side, um, you know, I made a habit early on when I was in my in my first job of saving between 20 and 25 percent of my gross income every single year. And I was very fortunate that I married a man who believed that you should live way below your means, just like I did. And I have seriously traveled the world, and I've, I've done very well. But because we always lived well below our means, and we still do today, when it came time to start this business, I had a lot of options. And one of the options was writing a really big check for it. And it allowed me to not have to go look for money while I I was waiting to start a business that could help potentially tens of millions of people around the United States and, and frankly the world because we've already been asked to go to Canada, the UK and Australia and we're starting to work towards that. And so I would just say to everybody that the very best decision I ever made was to live well below my means. It's enabled me to put my kids through school without debt and start this business and travel the world and and now, whenever I am ready to retire, which um, I don't think is going to happen anytime soon, <laughs> maybe not as soon as I or, my, I or my husband would like, but you know, it's it's enabled us to retire and know that when the time comes, we'll be totally fine. And I, that is the ultimate in financial wellness or well being, is having options and opportunities. And so, starting young was the smart way to do it.
0: That is great stuff. Two difference making tips for the price of one. That definitely gets a Come on. Come on. So, Elise, thank you for that and thank you for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you and Best Money Moves?
1: Well, you can find uh, more about me and my personal finance writing at thinkglink.com T-H-I-N-K G-L-I-N-K dot com and for Best Money Moves go to our website bestmoneymoves.com We don't currently have a B2C version of it although we're we're working on that that might happen sooner rather than later but if you um, if you're a company uh, owner or you are a, you manage the benefits, we would love to talk to you.
0: Excellent. well Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did show Elise your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. check out her um, her stuff at thinkglink.com and bestmoneymoves.com as well which we'll have listed in the notes of the show. Thank you again Elise.